persistent pain for more than three months and the doctors don't have any solutions for you? Are they saying, it's all in your head? Or, you have to learn to live with it? And that message just doesn't feel right to you? Well, then you're in the right place. My name is Anna Frixelius and I'm an expert in health mastery. As a teenager, I got scleroderma and rheumatoid arthritis. Both of these are autoimmune conditions, chronic, incurable, with a pretty grim prognosis. But that was just the beginning. Afterwards, I survived two serious traffic accidents that was in my early 20s. Surviving was great, but I got a complex spinal fracture, part of my spine was crushed, and I got a whiplash neck injury. So at that point, I had a triple whammy of debilitating conditions in a really short period of time. Fun fact, of those three things, the autoimmunity, the crushed spine and the whiplash injury, the whiplash injury was what disabled me the most. Still, none of the doctors believed it was real. With these four diagnoses, at age 25, I was crippled by chronic pain and I was completely given up by the doctors. They thought I was a hopeless case. They put me on disability and just gave me lots of painkillers, told me to stay at home and, you know, give up all my dreams. But instead of listening to them, I found out how to rebuild my health, working from the inside out. Nobody believed it was possible. But a few years later, I got out of the wheelchair and I completed a pilgrimage walking to Santiago de Compostela. That's a 500-mile hike across the mountains and plains of northern Spain. Today, I have a healthy and happy, active life. I work full-time, helping other people recover from chronic pain, while also advocating for better treatment and patient rights. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing insights and useful strategies for anyone dealing with persistent pain and chronic health issues. I'm going to talk about the failing medical paradigm and what we need to do to change it. But most of all, I want to share solutions. What can you do to have a healthy, happy and active life, no matter what diagnoses you have and what your current health state is? So let's dig in. Hello and welcome to Health Mastery with Anna. In this episode, we are going to be talking about medical trauma. This might be triggering, so I want you to make sure that you're in a safe place. Please don't listen to this episode while driving a car, just to be on the safe side. So trauma, it's a huge, yeah, it's a huge concept, really. I had to look this up again. I love words. I love definitions. In Oxford English Dictionary, trauma is defined as a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. While I think in a medical setting, like for medical professionals, they still talk about trauma as being some like real (laughs) trauma has to come from being exposed to a life and death situation. But The trauma concept is widening in a way where many people are beginning to realize that experiences they've had in different parts of their life may have caused a kind of trauma response and maybe hardwired an unhelpful nervous system reaction in their bodies. Trauma can definitely affect our health, and this is something I'm going to be talking more about in this podcast in coming episodes. But I wanted to talk about medical trauma especially because there seems to be a blind spot in the medical community for confronting this. 
Maybe it's very uncomfortable for many doctors to take in the fact that how they meet their patients and also potential effects of maltreatment can be traumatizing. The doctors and healthcare professionals are supposed to be helping us heal, but sometimes the actual treatment causes harm. So medical trauma broadly defined refers to a patient's psychological and physiological response to a negative or traumatic experience in a medical setting. Now, there are two different kinds of use of this term, medical trauma, where one of them includes injury and health problems. So you would say that getting cancer is a medical trauma or going through a big surgery is a medical trauma, while the other understanding of medical trauma focuses on how trauma can be induced by the actual medical treatment or the healthcare professionals. And this is the one that I'm talking about in this podcast episode. Obviously, there are endless of topics related to trauma, and I, I know you can find some really good podcasts specializing on just that aspect of healing. While today, I'm going to be talking about how medical trauma can pop up in our lives when we're dealing with health problems and when, we, <laughs> when we're trying to navigate the healthcare system and get help for our current conditions. Unresolved trauma from the past can cause what appears to be overreactions to present moment situations. So, for example, if you've had a very negative experience with a doctor at some point in time or in a hospital setting, say something simple like a small surgery gone wrong, resulting in a very traumatic experience, this will possibly come back next time or sometime in the future when you're in a similar medical setting, and then you might overreact by, by having an anxiety attack or being angry or upset. You might start to cry just with a nurse pulling out a syringe to draw blood. If you've experienced some very traumatic event in a similar hospital setting previously. So I see a lot of chronic illness patients talk in social media about their experiences with medical trauma. And I also realize it must be really difficult for healthcare professionals to treat people who have medical trauma because basically we get very sensitive, like overly sensitive in a way, when we've been through traumatizing experiences in a medical setting. It's just small things can be extremely triggering and we react sort of like animals who are backed into a corner. It's like the survival brain takes over and we can become distressed, angry, resentful, and very, very upset, emotionally upset, which for the medical professional is probably both confusing and distressing and also quite, I can imagine, quite annoying. I mean, if you have 10 or 15 minutes to do a, some kind of medical intervention and the patient responds in this very very dramatic way, it must be difficult for them to do their job, right? So basically, it doesn't necessarily take years of psychotherapy. I think this is where a lot of people get tripped up when it comes to trauma. Like we tend to over-dramatize it a bit and think it's huge, it's complex, it's going to define me for the rest of my life and I'm going to have to have years of therapy and that's so expensive. But really, uh, healing unresolved trauma doesn't take years of psychotherapy. And I mean, trauma is not a diagnosis. It doesn't mean that you're broken. It doesn't even mean that there's anything wrong with you. Trauma is actually a quite 
natural human experience, some experience that will most of us will have traumatic experiences in the course of a lifetime. And seeing as you can't really compare either. I mean, it's easy to try to think, oh, I shouldn't be traumatized by this. I shouldn't be having such a strong reaction to this thing is one way we beat ourselves up because you logically know that the current situation is not dangerous. But if you're experiencing a sort of re-triggering event that brings back memories from some acute trauma, then you might be dealing with really, really complicated nervous system reactions that you are going to need to work on changing. And yes, it might be good to do this with a trauma-informed therapist, but there are also quite a lot of things you can do yourself just to get started. I mean, if you have really complex or severe trauma, I hope you're getting help from that. But in this episode, I'm going to be talking generally about medical trauma. So acute trauma often results from a single incident, like for example, a person, let's talk about labor, like for women giving birth. That can be quite traumatic if something goes wrong. I've had that happen to a lot of my friends, like (laughs) surprisingly many women experience trauma while giving birth because there is, in many instances, there can be complications resulting in risk for either the baby or the mother or both. And for example, we know a lot more now on how a prolonged labor can, for example, cause brain damage in the fetus, in the baby. So if a labor is taking too long, the doctors or the nurses and midwives will at some point make a decision that we have an emergency C-section to get this baby out before the blood flow is cut off so the baby develops a brain injury. And a single incident like that, like being in labor and having the medical team around you make a sudden decision to roll you very fast to a surgical theater and cut you open to save your baby and maybe save you also in some cases, that's traumatic. Like, that's definitely traumatic. That is a life and death situation. And it's a life and death situation that very many women experience. There could be other kinds of trauma. That's an acute one. So it's obvious But another kind of trauma is chronic trauma, and that is when some traumatic event is repeated or prolonged. Domestic violence or abuse is like a typical example of chronic trauma, and in a medical setting, I guess it would be the experience of medical gaslighting. For example, if you have a symptom or a health problem that you experience is very troubling for you, like it's a big problem for you, for example, chronic pain, your doctor minimizes your problem and says, oh, that's not, your tests are normal, this shouldn't be a problem. They're minimizing your problems, making you think there's something wrong with you, right? Basically, just bouncing the problem back to you, making you doubt your own experience, making you think there's something wrong with you. That can cause low-grade chronic trauma, where you aren't being believed by the healthcare professionals who are supposed to help you. And maybe you've experienced that time and time again. For many people who have complex health conditions, they have experienced this many times, like finally getting to see a specialist that might help you only to have them 
hardly look at you at all, maybe just look at some papers, look at some blood work, whatever they're looking at on their computer screen and say, well, I can't help you. There's nothing here. Like you don't have any reason to have these symptoms and that's it. And you've been sort of geared up to to finally get some help. That's a kind of medical trauma too. So then we talked about complex trauma, which is an exposure to many different, like multiple varied traumatic events. So it could be both medical treatment gone wrong and medical gaslighting over time could result in complex trauma. And I know it's easy to seek diagnosis for this, but I really want to normalize it. Like trauma is normal and medical trauma seems to be more normal than actually like getting the best help possible at your first doctor's appointment. I don't hear about that happening often. So trauma is just part of a human experience and it's more the meaning that you assign to the traumatic experience. Like this is important and that's something you can decide because Maybe some people will deny that the experience you had is traumatic or should be traumatic, and that's another gaslighting, and you might have to, if not cut those people out of your life, at least not listen too much to them. Like, trust your body, trust yourself. When you feel that something is traumatic, that's reason enough to treat it as a trauma. And trauma can actually be a catalyst for some deeper healing to take place if you are willing to allow the experience to change you, basically, in a, in a positive way. Because healing the trauma usually takes consistent action, like you need to do something about it. Maybe the worst thing we do when we experience any kind of trauma is when we shut it down. Like we try to either deny it happened or tell ourselves that it wasn't that important, it wasn't such a big deal, this shouldn't bother us so much, and we sort of shut our emotional reaction down. But that's really not a helpful reaction to trauma. And speaking of what can cause trauma, I mean, the traumatic event is one thing, like the circumstance that created either physical, mental or emotional harm to you as a person. And while still medical professionals might say that the standard has to be that you have witnessed or been in a life-threatening event, the traumatic event can be much smaller, especially if you've had this like cumulative experience of trauma and maybe from early childhood that you experienced trauma in early childhood which can leave a mark on your nervous system also like in your stress levels in your cortisol levels this can be imprinted in you if you've experienced trauma at a young age so the event is one thing and then there's the experience of the event because two people can experience the same event in very different ways just based on their personal context and history so so if I go to the doctor and I go through just something simple like drawing blood that goes wrong, like the nurse is trying to hit a vein, maybe she misses, maybe she even like is really unlucky and she puts the needle into a nerve, which will be extremely painful, right? Well, if that's the first time I experience something negative with a person sticking a needle into my arm, it might not be that traumatic. But if I've had similar experiences before, where in some way it's associated with severe trauma, for example, a life and death situation, that same situation can be super triggering. So it can cause me to re-experience other experiences of trauma. And I know that actually we can have experiences of trauma that are pre-verbal. I mean, so early in childhood that we can't cognitively remember, but maybe the body remembers. 
Things like, unfortunately, it wasn't that long ago that doctors thought that babies couldn't feel pain. So babies actually weren't given pain relief even when they did surgery on newborn babies. They wouldn't give them, they were afraid to stop the heart by giving them morphine or any pain relief. So they would do surgery on babies without pain relief. Imagine the trauma of that in the baby's body. Like, imagine what that does to a nervous system when the baby is basically cut open without any pain relief. That used to be common practice. I don't know until what year, but in my lifetime at least, I'm 48 now, that has been normal, treating babies and small children without pain relief because they thought children couldn't feel pain. Imagine that. Very, very strange how medical science and medical practice changes over time. So there's one thing is the actual traumatic event, and then it's your experience of the event that can be very different based on your, I mean, your unique life experience. And then it's how much it impacts you in daily life. I mean, trauma leaves lasting impressions on anyone who's involved in it. And this can impact you both mentally, physically, and it can definitely increase pain because Trauma can trigger your nervous system to be on high alert all the time. And as I've talked about in the chronic pain survival guide, chronic pain is also rewiring of your nervous system to focus on and intensify the experience of physical pain based on a feeling of not being safe. So the combination of trauma and pain, they enhance each other, they increase each other. And that's actually all kinds of trauma. But going back to medical trauma, when you have experienced trauma at the hands of medical professionals or in the care of medical professionals, it will have an unfortunate effect on all of your treatment relationships later, like your therapeutic relationships later. So if you've experienced one really, really bad doctor it's quite likely that you will bring that experience with you to any new conversation with a doctor. And I see this happening with people that I help also in one-to-one coaching, that you can have experienced some really, really bad doctors, and that leads you to getting distrustful and uh, maybe showing up to your new doctors with this very, very antagonistic or in a way, blaming or overprotective attitude, which basically makes building a therapeutic alliance where for good treatment, it makes it very hard. It's like if if I have, (laughs) would a good example be, I mean, any kind of interpersonal relationship, if I show up with some really, really bad experiences, like I once experienced, if I had a boyfriend who hit me, or who was violent in some way. And if I show up to a new date when I'm trying to get over that experience and build a healthy relationship, if I treat my next potential partner with the distrust and maybe the guardedness that comes from having been mistreated in the past, it's very hard to build a good relationship, to build a good working relationship when I sort of show up with my wounds open and try to protect myself no matter what, because I think I have to protect myself. That's just a very, very difficult situation to to start uh, a good working relationship with any new healthcare professionals. And I don't know how this works in practice, but there seems to be almost like a repetitive trauma pattern. I don't know. It's like 
if somebody you probably know these people and i think i was one myself like when you have experienced a lot of trauma it's like you <laughs> you keep attracting more almost i don't know what this comes from or if it can be explained in any way it's just i've shared in previous episodes about all these accidents i had and at a certain point in time i was just really caught in victim mode because two failed back surgeries, all these accidents. There were some really, really mean doctors in my past. There were several doctors who did things they definitely shouldn't have, and that led to me having very traumatic experiences with doctors. And learning to trust again, learning to let new people in and to trust them was definitely something I had to work on and just take responsibility for my part of any new relationship with a potential healer or helper, I would really have to work on starting afresh, like not bringing all my old garbage to a new relationship, basically, or a new alliance, maybe. I've also shared about how I see the doctor-patient relationship as being one where the patient is empowered to take charge, basically, of their own healing process and seeking help from different kinds of, of health care professionals. I think it's very important that you promote yourself to be the leader of your healthcare team and don't have this passive victim mode of showing up and leaning back and saying basically to the doctor, fix me. That just doesn't work with any kind of chronic health problem. You have to take charge. And you can lean on people, you can lean on healthcare professionals, and you can rely on them to help you with different things. But you are the leader of your healthcare team. Nobody else can do that job for you. I know this can be kind of hard to take in if you have a, if you have a complicated health story or a health problem. But this is sort of hard truths based on uh, lived experience. And when it comes to overcoming trauma, I think we really, we have to start by acknowledging what happened, like acknowledge the traumatic event. This is where denial is a big sort of break, <laughs> as in it holds us back, uh, denying or, or gaslighting yourself about being traumatized by something is a big problem. Often I hear people who have gone through something traumatic, they might repeat the same story again and again and again, sort of oblivious to that. They've shared this story many times before, maybe to the same people. For example, to me, they can tell the story of their traumatic surgical experience or this one really bad doctor, and they will tell it again and again and again. And I believe that we do that, like we repeat the traumatic story because we haven't understood it yet. We haven't actually emotionally taken it in. So their logic mind, their rational mind is repeating the story in order to try to understand it and try to learn from it, but their emotional side is just not taking it in. So you're repeating the trauma like this and this and this and this happened and this was so bad, right? But you're not actually taking it in emotionally. So I think it's important to seek support, like either a trauma-informed therapist, but you can also seek out self-help groups and any kind of community to learn to talk about this and in a way like take ownership, like accept that what happened, happened. You experience what you experience. Your experience was real and your trauma is valid. Nobody outside you has to validate this by 
putting a label on it or giving you a diagnosis. Actually, getting a medical diagnosis of psychological trauma is not a good idea. If you have chronic health problems of any kind, getting any kind of psychiatric diagnosis on top of the health problems you already have might actually bias future doctors against you and lead to you not getting treatment. Unfortunately, this is part of the bias that is current. Yeah, it's definitely a a big problem in modern healthcare. So if you should get a diagnosis of anxiety, CPTSD, or or PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, this might bias future doctors against giving you biomedical treatment for any kind of health problems you have, because they will deduce that everything you're talking about, your pain or whatever, is caused by the trauma, and it's just psychological. So you don't have to get a diagnosis for trauma unless, I mean, it's yeah, unavoidable, like you have to have it for some reason. You can do a lot of uh, healing on your own and with free self-help groups and community, basically, either online or in in some kind of physical self-help community. There are many different ones, I'm sure, all over the world, so you would have to seek out what is available where you live. After, like, acknowledging the event and trying to to accept that this happened to you, journaling can be really, really helpful when it comes to processing. Uh, Instead of repeating the same story over and over again to your friends and loved ones and whoever will listen, try to talk to yourself, like try to journal the experience and your emotions around it in a safe setting and then work on practicing, you know, self-care around like love for yourself for having survived whatever happened and uh, grieve like allow yourself to grieve and really compassionate to yourself for having experienced what you experienced it's very unfortunately very normal for people who have had severe trauma to self-medicate with all kinds of things either food, like we stuff our feelings or drink alcohol, smoke marijuana, whatever. People do many different things to cope with trauma and traumatic experiences. So be aware of that. Like addictive coping strategies aren't constructive. They are leading you down a path that is going to make it harder in the future to function with whatever trauma you've been through. So definitely try to find ways of coping that are not addictive and uh, look for healthy self-care and coping strategies journaling you know practicing creativity all kinds of like painting writing singing music there are lots of creative things you can do which can also help you heal and lastly i would say taking baby steps i mean healing trauma is not done in a day And you shouldn't seek quick fixes for something as complicated as experiencing medical trauma. I think it's important to just give yourself grace and take baby steps, like practice small, healthy action, moving in the right direction, and reward yourself as much as you can for making healthy choices. It's a process, it takes time, and it can really lead to great personal growth if you Allow yourself to start processing your trauma instead of carrying it around like a a big, painful backpack. Also, I mean, 
Sometimes people will start comparing trauma. I see that happening in patient communities online. And, and there's been talk also of people who are traumatized and are always sharing stories in social media about how they're struggling so much with their health. I think it's called Minchhausen syndrome by internet. When a person is sort of basically showing a slightly deceitful version of their health story online in order to get attention. And that's definitely a lot of psychological patterns around that. The whole like patient influencer scene um, has developed a lot. Like we, when patient bloggers started to be a thing back, you know, 2006, 2007, uh, many of us who had experienced severe health problems, we started sharing our experiences online and attracted a lot of attention. I had my chronic pain blog back in 2010 that also attracted a lot of people to read and get uh, my takes on things. The way I've seen this develop uh, with YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, now TikTok, where people share like fast like you want to <laughs> it seems like people want to share their trauma in a way to get compassion from other patients online in a way which is not healthy like you can recognize this when you see it it's like what you're doing here is part of your healing process but it's not constructive like it's keeping you stuck when people are sharing Pictures from the hospital undergoing treatment again and again and again. Oh, look at this wound I got from whatever happened to me. It seems to me that they're trying to process medical trauma by sharing about it on social media, but they are not healed themselves yet. So they're actually like spreading this trauma and, and in some ways making it worse, right? Because they're seeking support based on ongoing trauma. Just some thoughts about sharing in social media. I think, uh, of course, young people and maybe especially young women do this more. It seems to be quite more out widespread when it comes to health problems that aren't understood or taken seriously by the medical community. So if you're experiencing medical gaslighting, nobody's taking your health problems uh, seriously, you may be more drawn to sharing on, on social media to get some kind of support and validation from your uh, from your peers like people who might understand right and this can become a, a cycle of focusing on your worst symptoms and sharing them on social media to get support and compassion i really advise anybody who's sharing about their health problems openly on social media to try to focus on sharing solutions and when you share the worst, like your worst experiences with your health problems, try to also show compassion both to yourself and to others by sharing good things, like share what works, share things that help you. Try to lift yourself and others up instead of just sharing about everything that's difficult. I guess it's, yeah, support is important, but we don't heal just by talking about the problem. Just talking about the problem isn't going to help heal it.
And when we are caught in trauma, it's sort of like we are caught in survival mode, which uh, which can like in our nervous system look like we have this shut down, fight, flight, freeze, fawn reaction. Our thinking becomes very rigid, like we're black and white thinking. People are either good or bad, like everything is black and white. And uh, we're basically like trapped animals fighting to survive when we're stuck in survival mode. So healing the trauma helps us to sort of get out of that cave, basically, and help us to function more more logically and more sanely in, in the face of new possible trauma reactivations. Now, I'll finish off this episode with uh, 10 pieces of uh, advice or a list of 10 things you can do to regulate when you experience a re-triggering of any kind of medical trauma. I'll try to put this text in the show notes too, so you can you can read them because this might be a little bit much information to take in. First of all, it starts with noticing that you're triggered. Like, one, notice that you're triggered and allow yourself to feel being triggered before you state what's going on. Like, do a cognitive statement like, I'm having an emotional reaction, or I'm feeling triggered right now. I'm feeling triggered. Just state what's happening so that you've said it. After noticing that you're triggered and stating that you're triggered, try to focus on feeling your feet. Remember, look at your feet. Feel your feet. This helps your brain locate your body in space and sort of reconnect with your body. Feel your feet. And now you can tell yourself and confirm that you're physically safe right now, wherever you are. Wherever you are, feel your feet and tell yourself, I'm safe right now. Like, maybe you're in your home or if you're in the doctor's office, wherever you are, like, confirm that you are safe right now. Now you can do a sort of dissociation technique uh, for resetting your nervous system, which is you can shake your arms, your hands and arms. Shake your hands and arms. Like you're shaking off water, this is a really good way to reset your nervous system in a light way, just sort of giving your nervous system a little reset. Next, what you can do is to unfocus your eyes, because once we have any kind of anxiety reaction, when we get stuck in this fight-flight nervous system, the sympathetic response, we have a tend to get tunnel vision and we can train our brain to do the opposite by trying to unfocus our eyes. So look at a point in space in front of you and then try to see the peripheral vision, like expand your field of vision while holding your gaze at the same point, you unfocus and expand your field of vision. Also helps pull your brain back from that trauma response. Now you can take some slow, deep breaths, which activate the parasympathetic nervous system, breathing in deep and then breathing out really slowly. That's that's good for for the parasympathetic nervous system. So long out breaths. Breathe in quite fast and deep and breathe out like... as long as you can through your mouth. Other ways to sort of reset your nervous system is you can wash your hands while really trying to pay attention to the water and the sensation on your hands. 
listen to the sound of the water splashing and feel the water on your hands. This helps your brain reset. If you're able to, you can take a cold shower. This is a very good nervous system reset and also sort of releases a lot of endorphins and uh, and happy hormones in your in your body. I love cold showers and ice plunges. I've probably talked about that in many episodes already. And last but not least, like to help yourself overcome any kind of traumatic triggering event, see if there's any way you can get a good squeezy hug. Hugs are good for healing. Do you have a partner or a friend or a family member that can hug you and squeeze you a little tight, rock you back and forth, maybe 10 second hugs, great, great, great reset. And if you don't have somebody around you right now that can give you a good hug, you can also just stand in a corner and lean back against the corner so that the walls in the room sort of squeeze your back gently while you cross your arms across your chest and hug yourself. So you can give yourself a hug while leaning against the wall, basically. And if you lean against a corner, then you get a sort of double squeeze. So lean into a corner and hug yourself or grab the closest nice person around you and ask for a good hug. All of these things can help you regulate your nervous system if you have activated the some kind of traumatic memory in your body which causes a stress response in your body. And every time you manage to basically recover and reset from a traumatic experience or traumatic experiences triggered with memories that, again, feel very physical in your body, every time you manage to to break that cycle of being triggered and maybe going into fight, flight or freeze response or becoming extremely upset or even having an anxiety attack or just a complete shutdown, Every time you manage to break that cycle, you're rewiring your brain for healing. So remind yourself, like, neurons that fire together, wire together. If your old trauma is triggered and it causes you to have a a traumatic response like an anxiety attack, that is completely normal. It's completely normal and it's not dangerous. And you can change it by actively engaging other neural networks and training your brain to have a different response. So that's a work of gradual healing. It takes time, but it will really change everything uh, if you manage to re-regulate your nervous system and help your body heal and help your brain sort of change these patterns around trauma. I think it's important to have these discussions more openly about medical trauma I know that many doctors think it's uncomfortable to talk about, but we basically need to be more open about it. And if we patients take responsibility for our side and try to do the best we can to show up and give every new doctor a decent chance, you know, of doing a good job instead of carrying all our old trauma into a new therapeutic setting or therapeutic alliance, then at least we're doing the best we can. And uh, nobody can do better than the best they can. So let's just start there. So good luck with that. And hopefully this episode was more helpful than triggering. If you want to discuss anything about this episode, 
check out the Health Mastery with Anna Facebook page, link in the show notes, where I will be discussing this and all other episodes of the podcast. And hey, have you had chronic pain or do you struggle with chronic health issues that cause you chronic pain? You should really check out my pain freedom course. You will find it in the Health Mastery with Anna app, which is also linked in the show notes. See you in the next episode. Hold it!